Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in the CIM Marketing Podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. This series is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And today we are discussing something which is of interest to everybody in marketing, which is the nebulous idea of creativity. And to discuss this fascinating topic, we are joined by a superstar of marketing, Mr. Anthony Tazgill, known universally, exclusively as Taz. And Taz, of many of you will be aware, is a trainer, author, speaker and lecturer and the author of the upcoming marketing book, The Storytelling Workbook. Taz, how are you today, sir? I'm very good. I'm not COVID-ridden, so I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I, he's hinting that I do have a dose of COVID. <laughs> it's, not too, it's not too bad. And just to, to put everyone at rest, I'm not in the same room as Taz, and nor am I in the same room as Mr. James Farmer, who is joining us direct, hot-linked, from Moore Hall in Berkshire, which is C-I-M-H-Q. And James, as many of you will know, is Head of Brand and Marketing at C-I-M itself. James, how are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you. Very good, also COVID-free. So um, touch wood that that continues. But um, yeah, it sounds like you're feeling okay for today. I feel fine, yeah, not too bad. It's just like a mild cold. Marketers, we were at the CIM Sustainability Summit last week, and one of the things that was mentioned by one of the droll guests, and there were many droll and entertaining guests, was that marketers are seen as being the colouring in department. But you know, creativity is much more than that. It's been, if you do a quick Google, it, it says it's the tendency to generate or recognise ideas. This is quite highfalutin, this, but I thought I'd read it anyway. Alternatives or possibilities that may be useful in solving problems, communicating with others and entertaining ourselves and others. So very similar to the exact job role or what the job role should be, perhaps as marketers. Taz, how can we harness this magic thing called creativity when we're also being asked to be the not so magic thing and rather mundane thing, which is productive well, I'd like to start off by saying, why, why on earth should they be opposites? They are complementary. Um, I spent a lot, of, I was more getting thumbs up, so that's good. I spent a lot of my time in, um, in previous century working uh, in advertising agencies in London as a planner, as a strategic planner. So I, I sort of saw both ends of that spectrum. Uh, on the one hand, I, I was dealing with people with um, stubble from Shoreditch. Um, and on the other hand, you know, clients um, who were saying, Look, just make sure you mention my brand name a lot. And one of the reasons I got interested in storytelling and behavioral economics was was actually trying to reconcile both ends of that spectrum. Um, clients who wanted you know, to, to sell stuff or promote their brand or awareness or whatever. Um, and agency folk who basically saw the need for saliency and differentiation. And for me, that is all creativity. It's all the same. It's the means to an end. So I definitely, I'm definitely not an either or on this one. I'm a both and. And I think afterwards we can get on to talking about, for example, I think how marketing has exacerbated this problem by choosing to be the wrong type of science. The wrong type of science sounds like the sort of fascinating idea that I wanted to explore more. But I'm going to ask you before we get to the wrong type of science, Taz, if we agree, then we should be both and productive and creative. 
Is creativity something we can learn or is it something that marketers become marketers because they are naturally creative? I think one of my, my problems with this, again, this sort of polarity or this polarisation um, is forcing people to be in different camps. Um, you know, I've written books. I do a bit of writing, done some comedy. Um, but am I creative? I don't know. But my title has never been creative. So, again, working in agencies and working with marketing people, anyone can be creative with a small C. Once you start making it a capital C and compartmentalizing it and saying only you can be creative with a big C, um, you automatically sort of limit it and ghettoize it. And I'm all against that because I think marketing is at its heart a creative endeavor. And I think the more the merrier. So we've come into this industry, James Farmer, because we have some creativity in our bones or we are interested in being creative if we want to improve our creativity make ourselves more creative or make ourselves behave in a more creative fashion at work are there any ways we can go about doing this absolutely i think um i would agree i think a good idea can come from anywhere and whether it's in your job title your job spec or not is a bit of a moot point really for me but i think absolutely we can do i think we've all got an inherent element of creativity built into us i think for me it's it's one of the elements that makes us you know a human the ability to sort of imagine and create something that doesn't already exist imagination for me is at the heart of this as, as adults we don't use our imagination enough and i think linked with that is playing if we don't play enough you know societal pressures on us as adults, you know, tell us to grow up, to not mess about, stop playing around. Um, you know, and there's the George Bernard Shaw quote, we don't stop playing because we grow old, we grow old because we stop playing, I think is is very pertinent here. I think, you know, my advice would be be less adult, play, you know, play play more, spend more time playing with children. Um, I, I've, um, I've got a five-year-old daughter, as I think I've mentioned before on this podcast, and my imagination goes through the roof when I'm playing with her. You know, her sense of curiosity and her imagination is so purely infectious. I think we can all do with using our imaginations more and also just sort of analysing. Um, so an exercise that we like to do here is, you know, is, is pick a piece of creative you've seen that you've not worked on. It could be a TV ad, press ad, display banner, whatever it might be, uh, and work backwards, unpick it. So try and guess what the single-minded proposition was, who the target audience was, what the objective was. Um, and I think that really helps to form a bridge between strategic thinking and creative thinking. So that would be a tip I would, I would certainly pass on. That's a way that you're bringing creativity out of your teams, your head of brand and marketing. So your, your job function is to be creative, but you're saying that there are ways of bringing that out of your teams without being sort of boxing yourself in and boxing them in, getting them to play and explore and think a little bit more. Exactly. And I think what it comes down to is, you know, allocating time for creativity. And that's not only time to create, but also time to share and absorb ideas. So, you know, people do need to be in the right state of mind to absorb ideas or to receive ideas. Otherwise, um, you know, the, the, those good ideas can, can be wasted. So, you know, whether that's allowing sufficient time for ideation in a campaign timing plan or allocating focus time in, you know, your busy diaries to be creative, it's about allocating time to properly share those ideas and absorb them through trips to museums, art galleries, and just opening your mind to, to new thinking. Taz, that's probably the right kind of science or the right kind of art, the way that James Farmer is. Uh, bringing creativity to the, the fore at his organisation, which is a CIM, and the way he thinks about it. You said earlier that you think that that's not the case in lots of agencies and marketing departments, and actually they think it's a science, and if it is a science, 
It's the wrong kind of science. Let me get my rant out of the way. <laughs> we love rants. Yeah. Get everyone to stand back at least two meters. Um, actually, before I do, I agree with what James said. So uh, being a strategic planner in ad agencies, a strategy is a what if. It's a hypothesis. What if we talk to these people in this way who currently believe that and we try and make them think that? So all of creative thinking, all of strategic thinking is imaginative. It's a, imagine a world where. So I absolutely agree with him. And, and again, it, it goes really to my point earlier about stopping to delineate the, the huge gap allegedly between strategy and creative. Um, and later on, hopefully, we can talk about my favourite word, of course, insight. Um, but on the science thing, the reason I rant a bit about science, and I've, I've written a lot about this in, in various books and places, um, my point about the wrong type of science is a while ago, marketing decided it wanted to be more like a science. And it decided it wanted to be, in my world anyway, more like physics. Because physics is much more about systems, it's much more about predictability and control. You know, atoms are all the same, as someone once said, you see one atom, you've seen them all. And if you know where an atom is and you project force on it, you know roughly where it will go. That's not how human beings work. Mm. And I think when marketing took a wrong turn in its search for perfection and laws and accountability, was trying to make, as I say, marketing and creativity more like physics. Science, the right science for marketing is biology, because biology is organic. Biology is unpredictable. Human beings are random and chaotic and messy and behavioral economics. They're very emotional. So the point I want to make about science is I'm not saying it's either or. A lot of marketing accountability finance is probably in, in that physics. But creativity is not. Creativity is in the other space. And we need, I think, to bring more of that biology, culture, psychology, um, a word that James didn't use but was on the tip of his tongue, curiosity, I think, mm. to all of our marketing endeavours, wherever they may be. And that's, in a nutshell anyway, that's my view about the wrong type of science. That's really interesting, this idea of the wrong time of science, James Farmer. I and mean, you should be said to the audience that you're at the top of CIM's marketing directorate now, but you've worked across agencies and you've spent a lot of your career in agency life. Is that something that you've butted up against as someone who prefers the sort of art and craft of it all and the curiosity that actually too often regimented from the top with a need for accountability and treating it like physical science, like physics, that uh, X plus Y is going to equal Z every time immutable. And of course, that isn't the case. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I've got a bit of a skewed look on all this anyway, because I went to art college and studied graphic design at university. So I actually started off on the creative side before then going into client service agency side. And I think the often objective of client service is to substantiate creativity and to position it in a way to clients that it is a science when we all know that it isn't. You know, the subjectivity around creativity, you know, renders it you know, almost completely unscientific in the sense that it's, you know, it is quite random um, in terms of what appeals to whom. I guess, you know, the, the nugget lies in trying to make your target audience really like uh, the creative that you've come up with. Therein lies the true marketing challenge, doesn't it? It does. We hear a lot of lament over the last two years, particularly where there has been a real focus on getting the job done. You know, we're under terrible conditions. We can't meet it's harder for us to be creative. Let's set up an online 
meeting space like this one we're using at the moment because I've now famously got COVID, as you told everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, and 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 the feeling that the, you know the, everything is around getting the job done under difficult conditions, and surely that's hampering creativity, isn't it, Taz? Um, well, firstly, I think no. Let me just have one of the just if I can just re, re, re sort of regress a bit. One of the things as well that I I do sort of have a sub rant about is data. Now I I spent a lot of time I still do with with data qual quant, and obviously the whole big data um, machine learning algorithms etc. And I think this again has had a bit of a pernicious influence on marketing because I think the problem is that a lot of people now think that the answer to everything is data. And again, for me, creativity and curiosity are not simply staring long and longingly at research. Again, at some point, maybe we can talk about insight. So I, I just want to make that point clear as well, because I think too many people in marketing and some pockets of marketing think that creativity will come simply just from a deluge of data. And my, my experience is it just doesn't work like that. Yes, it might be an input towards creativity, but creativity is about leaps. It's about having that ability to sort of see connections or see ideas where no one else has. So I, I do want to just sort of pick up on that. Um, but going back to your, your point about sort of the last couple of years and hybrid, again, I, I think it's a false distinction. Um, one of the things I talk an awful lot about in storytelling um, in terms of how you write presentations, there's a very famous quote by, I think, 17th century French philosopher, who I'm sure you're both familiar with, uh, Blaise Pascal who said, I'm sorry, I've written a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this. It's a, it's a mistake to think that because you're in a hurry, you don't need creativity. It's the exact opposite. You know, the more under pressure you are, the more creative an answer you will need. Otherwise, you end up in this sort of deadlock of, of in undifferentiated, homogenized brands and, and creativity and advertising. So for me, again, Yes, time pressure is an issue, but it, for me, it makes creativity all the more important. So, James, if you want something done, give it to someone who's busy. If you want something creative done, give it to someone who's busier. I, I completely agree, you know, and I, I, but I think I, I would tend to agree that um, the last two years haven't really hampered creativity. I'm very fortunate here that the philosophy has been a shift in focus from hours to output. But I think that, in a way, has helped many people to be more creative I think it's given people more of those those sort of me time moments. So when you're actually not working or when you're doing the washing up or when you're doing a bit of gardening during the nine to five hours, which, you know, we wouldn't normally have done when we were office bound. And, and it often that's when creativity and new thinking comes to you, when you are not clogged by the day to day works, you know, the office distractions, etc. So. You know, a, a lot of a lot of ideas I get when I'm gardening or in the shower, whereas that's the complete antithesis of other people I know, um, you know, but whether it's walking or just quiet time, whatever that me time might be. I, I genuinely think that there have been more instances of those during working hours working from home. And I think that's only been a good thing for creativity. But one of the things that I've researched of the second book, The Inspiratory about Insight, um, if you look at, at creative people, scientists, artists, they all talk about what are called the three B's, where suddenly they have an aha moment or a eureka moment. The three B's are bed, bath, bus. People what? go to bed, they wake up in the morning, suddenly, ta-da, uh, they're having a bath. Famously, Archimedes literally said in Greek, eureka, I found it, probably apocryphally um, 
in a bath. And you've got scientists talking about molecule pictures coming to them literally as they're stepping on, on a bus. So absolutely, James, you're right. Those are moments where, where we can create this sort of serendipity that makes insight. The, the thing where I'm not going to disagree exactly, but I just want to open up another line. My daughter um, has been working for a year now in her first job, and she's one of these people that started during the pandemic, started at a job where the idea that she works more than one a day is like anathema. Why would I go more than one day a week? She's living with her friends in the house in Shoreditch, living her best life. Now, what that links to is the fact that I think one of the things that we have missed as human beings, social human beings, people who are curious, is bumping into people unexpectedly in an office, mm. which you can't do at home. And mm. I absolutely agree, I mean, James said, but for me, I'm really very sort of passionate about this, not just my daughter, but generally. I think that is something that we've lacked. And I'm sitting currently in a place called Homegrown, which is a lovely club in London. And one of the reasons I'm here is I'm bumping into people, some I know, some I don't. And I'm chatting, and as I'm chatting to them, new connections are being made in my brain, which is the, the golden road to creativity and curiosity and insight. So that's why, that's why I think we do want to get people back into offices, bumping into people, having chats in lifts, talking um, over the water cooler, over a cup of Earl Grey. I completely agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, a limitation on visiting museums, galleries or even other people has been detrimental to looking at things through a fresh perspective, a different pair of eyes. I, I would definitely agree with that for sure, Taz. Yeah. This isn't an anachronistic plug, a reverse plug for an event that's already happened. But CIM Sustainability Summit last week, which was absolutely excellent. I spoke to someone there who said, I've had 20 conversations or more than 20 today that simply would not have happened if this was done online. So there is something there, isn't there, that there are more opportunities yeah. for interactivity through incidental encounters. But nevertheless, yeah. it's interesting that the actual function of um, the, the difficult two years we've had generally, not, not related necessarily to hybrid or to uh, working from home, but generally hasn't necessarily hampered our creativity. We've just got to be a little bit more honest, perhaps, about where our creativity comes from. The bath, the bus and bed, actually sometimes doing less or at least doing something different to our stock in trade will help us get that inspiration and that insight, Taz, that you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a recipe, well, it's a recipe, certain ingredients, which for me go into making insight. One is I, I, anyone who's listening, um, one of my CIM uh, training courses, behavioral economics, spend a lot of time talking about the big six emotions, happiness, sadness, fear, anger, surprise, disgust, since you ask. Um, but for me, the key emotion, especially in insight, is surprise. And again, I'm fascinated about how our, the way our brain works. And that's what happens is we make surprising connections. So again, um, James has already mentioned Media, creativity, uh, entertainment. I was a, a trustee of a cinema in North London, the Phoenix, oldest continued running cinema in the country uh, for many years. Um, and Charlie Kaufman, who's one of my heroes, um, famously was talking about uh, being John Malkovich. He just said, one day I had this idea in my head of just somebody opening a portal into John Malkovich's head. And I had another story about two people at work, two colleagues who didn't get on. And I put those ideas together. And suddenly, boom, Suzanne Collins was once flicking through television and watching war pictures. And then she flicked over to another channel which had a reality show, put them together, 
Hunger Games. That is how our brains work. So the idea that you try and create new surprising connections is absolutely at the heart of creativity and insight. And one other element, which again, sort of James, I think hinted at, is what I call being an outsider. If you look at all great sort of um, revolutions and changes in art and thinking, most of them were done by people who were outsiders. And again, I think it's really important in marketing, and I say this an awful lot to my clients, if you happen to work for Yorkshire Water or Kenwood or other people I've been training with, um, or you work in yogurt or cars, it is absolutely essential that you do not spend all your day just thinking about yogurt or cars. You have one foot in that market, but you make sure one foot is looking at human behavior or trends or because otherwise all you do is think about the conventions in your own particular market. And that is death to creativity. It is death to creativity. And we've all been there, I dare say, when the boss comes in and says, go away for a day and think of some ideas. <laughs> How on earth, James Farmer, do we tackle that as marketers when being told to do something is probably the last thing that we want it is a tough one because i mean you know for, for for the majority turning on the creative tap isn't possible but i mean i think there's you know, certain environments you can put yourself in which foster creativity more so than others and and again that's a subjective thing really i think um you know ultimately just, you need to be in an environment that inspires you and can can generate ideas and that is you know, you, you've got a you've got a higher chance of coming up with some some new thinking, and for some that's you know walk, a quiet walk in a gallery or in nature. Um, for others, and for for many a creative I've worked with agency side over the years, it's a, a noisy session in the pub. So yeah. you know, it, it it really can vary um, in 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 that in that regard. But I mean, I think ultimately it's around getting close to your audience, depending on what the challenge is that you've been set. You know, I would always advocate getting closer to your audience, talk to them and gain that, you know, gain their latest perspective, what's going on in their lives, you know, get those golden nuggets of insights so that you can produce creativity that will really resonate with them. I think we don't talk to our audiences enough. So have more conversations, Taz, and the ideas will naturally come. Yeah, I think I'm going to do a yes and again uh, with James. If I literally did a, a session the other day on behavioural economics, um, and I talk an awful lot about research because an awful lot of research that marketing people do, I'm afraid, um, is very system too. It's very rational. It's very factual. Um, it assumes that, that human beings only make decisions on on the rational grounds, which we know from from behavior economics and Kahneman, Tversky, Nudge, et cetera, doesn't happen. Um, so I think we need to do more of the sort of thing that James has said. He's effectively described ethnography. So not just qualitative research, but actually observing people, not just asking questions of unreliable witnesses, but also we may need to take a leap away from that as well. Because we know that if you ask people questions, especially ask them to, to predict the future or ask them what their future behavior will be or whether they intend to buy this brand or that, we can't rely on them. Again, we just that's just how our brains work. We don't know. System one, Kahneman called the secret author of our choices. And system one is largely unconscious and implicit. So what I would say, and this is this famous quote from uh, Henry Ford, he said, if you'd asked me what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yeah. You know, we, we, he, no one could predict cars. Again, famously, Stephen Jobs said it's not the consumer's job to, to tell us what they want. So I do think as well, as well as asking people and getting close to the consumer, and, which is absolutely the sine qua non, it's the basic. 
I think we also need to, as I said before, just take a bit of a leap, go outside our market, play around with different stimulus material. One of the one of the things that we do here when we experience any sort of creative block is just completely shake it up, break the routine, talk to strangers. There's, there's a fascinating man that's at my local supermarket who I've always wanted to talk to, and I've started talking to him. And it's been a really refreshing way to... A, come out of my comfort zone in, in, in a small sort of way, but B, just to talk to somebody who I've always looked at and thought, he's interesting. I wonder what wonder what's going on in his life. Uh, and, and actually, I found that really rewarding. And it sort of made me think in a, in a slightly different way. And I think shaking it up, changing your perspective is, is absolutely paramount importance um, to, 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 to blasting through any blockages or coming at something in a, in, in a new creative way. Why did you find him interesting, by the way? He's got quite a funky pair of glasses. He's got quite a coiffured haircut for, right. for, for a gentleman of his age. Um, and he just, um, he, you know, he just shouted personality. And yet that in contrast with the supermarket uniform that he was wearing that muffled his personality, I just thought the sort of, there was quite a nice bit of friction there. That's interesting, isn't it? So you tr- go and try and find paradoxes and interesting experiences by introducing yourself to people you don't know, strangers, talking to people, Saz. The last three or four years, I've been lucky to work with the Royal Albert Hall. Um, it was the 150th anniversary last year, and they happened to ask me to um, help them tell their story, given that's, that's one of my things. Um, and it was a fantastic gig, some great people. And two things. One is they said, we don't just want to talk to our visitors because we know them and there are loads of them they're brits they're foreign whatever we want to we want to just sort of take some leaps and one of the things that that was really interesting as a case study for this was one of the things that i also resent about marketing is the obsession with content and facts and rationality and i have a a saying which i bring up pretty much every 10 minutes which is in in marketing and, and creativity and communication we spend way too much time thinking about content what we say and nowhere near enough time thinking about form how we say it so again clients will come up with you know give me a value proposition and usually you know in my mind somewhere a fairy dies when when they say that because it just always feels like it's going to be a lowest common denominator reductionist fact that no one will argue with but it's completely black so i worked with the royal albert hall and in the end they, they came up with some propositions we discussed it but i had a word cloud chart and there were three words that I just put up one day. I said, actually, what the Royal Outlaw seems to be about is three words. Eccentric, because it's a bit bonkers and a bit sort of English. Eclectic, because they put on everything from like the gigs, the Remembrance Day service, to proms, to all sorts of one-offs. And when I spoke to people that performed there, they called the stage electric. So I had those words on a chart, eccentric, eclectic, and electric. And everyone went, yeah. That's it. And they said, well, forget all this proposition stuff. And that's what they ran with. And I just thought it was an interesting example where things don't always have to be, again, agreed by a committee and reduced to something that is inoffensively bland. And good luck to them because that they did use it and it was part of, you know, their, their sort of 150th celebrations. And again, I think that may be an example of where marketing can ha- perhaps just escape some of the prison of its conventions. I completely. That's a really interesting story, actually, because the 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 um, you know, the gorilla drumming is isn't the first thing that would spring to mind with chocolate, is it? The destination isn't always the expected. 
The gorilla thing is a brilliant example. I worked on Cadbury in what I slightly bitterly called the pre-gorilla era. And <laughs> all they had was like very rational, you know, it's full of this and it does that. And after I left Cadbury to go off on my own, do other stuff, they realized that the emotion of chocolate is happiness and joy, yeah. just unadulterated bliss. And it was a, it's a famous story, as you know, as you mentioned, James. And there are all sorts of issues about how successful it was and whether it promoted a whole of chocolate rather than Cadbury. But actually just honing in on something unequivocally emotional. You know, there's no one, there's no sort of person biting, you know, a bar of chocolate, putting it in their mouth, because obviously before that, no one knew how to eat chocolate. Um, there's no sort of rational facts about where it comes from. It's simply the bliss and the tension and the story of chocolate and the the reason why we're still talking about it now after all these years is it was just sort of almost unparalleled and unprecedented in what it did um i do know firsthand secondhand how hard it was to get that through so half the process is getting the insight talking about joy and happiness the second half is getting a client and a system of clients who support you and i know that there was a lot of you know debate and argument about that so again, going back to almost where we started, creativity is something I think it has to be valued all the way through an organization, top to bottom. It's not a niche, it's not a ghetto, it shouldn't be relegated to a few people, as I say, with stubble from Shoreditch. It's got to be something that everyone appreciates and values within a company. It's got to be something that everyone appreciates and values, that you're able to sell in, James Farmer. So once you get the creativity, once we do this thing called creativity that we've had a fantastic discussion about, this afternoon, we've got to somehow sell it into the client to make it a reality. Exactly. I mean, back to my earlier point, the, the, the environment has got to be right for the absorption of ideas. You know, the ground has to be fertile for the seeds to sort of flourish. And I think, that, you know, therein lies one of the eternal challenges of agency client relationships, because often agencies are looking to push a very creative agenda, whether it's for their own benefit, brackets, awards, you know, or whether they truly believe it's the right thing for the client. But often there is an element of fear client side and going into new territories, which uh, the agency has to sort of t hold their hands with. But, um, you know, being, being creative is, you know, I, I think is often the highest form of productivity. Yeah. Uh, introducing new ideas that, that are good, it, really isn't easy regurgitating old ideas is easy but not very productive so i think this sort of balance between creativity and productivity doesn't exist in my mind loops is right back to the start where you said Taz, they aren't opposites they are complementary one is actually yeah, james yeah. Is actually going further and saying actually creativity is if we're marketers productivity yeah i think one thing as well i just um add to what james just said that i found as my way in often when i'm talking to clients um, and I want to sell in creativity. Uh, one of the things I've learned, and probably James as well from our experience, in, is certain words you don't use. You don't use the word risk. You don't use the word brave. Because uh, that just makes people leave the room screaming. Absolutely. What, what I tend to say is, okay, what are the issues with this brand? And very often they come down to one or two. The brand isn't salient. People have forgotten about it or they don't have a feeling towards it. Or there's a lack of differentiation in that market. So most markets you think of in terms of communications, cars, yogurt, financial brands, a lot of the time they all look the same. And you look at tracking data, you look at brand data. And I say to clients, OK, look, you're spending 10, 20, 30 million pounds a year, but 
you're getting very little awareness. You're getting very little distinctiveness. So the, what I say to them is, OK, you, you need to find out ways of being distinctive and salient and standing apart from your competition, don't you? And almost no one will disagree with that. So I say, OK, if you don't want to look like everyone else, you have to look at those conventions. You have to understand what the assumptions are and you have to work out which ones you can break. And we've mentioned Cadbury and that's what they did. Gorilla did with that. Again, Specsavers said just because we're about eyesight doesn't mean we have to be serious and dull. Uh, Meerkat said we will play with the word market. So there are ways of doing it. So I think one is to say, OK, this is the theory. The theory is you have to be salient. The second is to point it to examples like um, Compare the Market or um, Specsavers or Apple, whichever brand you want, and say, look, that's what they've done. They've had the courage to be creative and stand out. And no one can question the success that they've gained as a result. And that, James Farmer, to go back to your point, is what we're here for as marketers. We are here to be creative. We're not here to sort of ride two horses of productivity and creativity. Creativity is productivity, and we should be well to remember that. I completely agree. I think that you know there are three mantras that marketers should live by: be curious, exercise empathy, and seek inspiration. And I think that would stand them well professionally, um, but also individually. Absolutely. James Farmer, Anthony Tazgal, Taz, thank you very much indeed. It's been great to speak to you both. Pleasure. Cheers, Ben. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. CIM Marketing Podcast.